I thought abundant meant uh, pain-free, problem-free, like, I won't get cancer, that's not abundant life. I won't have a car wreck, that's not abundant life. I won't have a son who's an addict, that's not abundant life. Well, I have to redefine abundant then, and so I see it through this lens, and it really blesses me a whole lot more is that, that abundance isn't circumstantial, it's something beyond that, that in the midst of, in the midst of having cancer, in the midst of having a broken back, in the midst of having previously a son who's, who's a prodigal, that there's an abundance of, of presence of God, of contentment, of deep-rooted of soul, uh, a provision to my soul that the world doesn't have. A study on depression published in the American Journal of Psychiatry made a remarkable discovery. People who had a relationship with God showed a 76% decrease in major depression when compared to their parents who had also struggled with mental illness. Certainly, this doesn't mean that believers never struggle with clinical depression or dark nights of the soul, but it shows that Christ's ongoing redeeming work in our lives has a very tangible impact. For many Christians who do wrestle with mental illness, frustration and despair can easily overwhelm our sense of God's presence in our lives. In this episode, Gary Wilkerson discusses biblical ways that believers can seek healing and restoration from depression. Most importantly, he offers encouragement to those who feel like they're fighting alone. God is walking right alongside us, even in our darkest hours. Now here's our host, Bob Dittmer. Welcome back to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, where in this episode, we're continuing our discussion about depression. And this topic came to light again recently with another suicide by a pastor, and there have been a few over the last six months. Rachel Schimitz, a writer at World Challenge, recently wrote an article about the suicides, and we asked her to join us on the podcast again this week to continue her discussion with Gary about what the church can learn about depression and also the spiritual attacks that all believers face. Rachel? I think just bouncing right off of that, if we're being strategic about sort of fighting for our own sanity of mind and peace of heart, what are some strategies? What are things that people can choose to do mm-hmm. that will help bring that that spiritual healthiness? Yeah, uh, self-examination to, to to look in your own heart to to see to see what it is to be very aware of yourself. I say this first thing is like, okay, this is this is circumstantial or this is actual depression. Um, so therefore, I need to deal with it in a different way. And so I think self-examination of your own heart, your own soul, your own condi- spiritual condition is 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 vital. Um, look for look for signs of. Uh, again, remember I said length and depth and and height of 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 a of, of a soul discouragement or maybe depression that you might be in. And uh, sa- secondly, then I would say is a community uh, to to not isolate yourself and, and to, to get inside yourself so much. So it almost sounds like I'm saying the opposite thing, like you know, spend time with yourself to make sure you know who you are and then um, get outside of yourself and spend time with other people in in community. Um, third, I'd say is worship for, for me. That's just, just a personal thing. It's no... It's it's nothing that's been tested in a laboratory or anything like that. But just when I just 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 begin uh, to worship God when I'm when I'm hurting or when, when again as I said earlier I, you know, I I face bouts of sadness maybe maybe depression even at times and and it's something uh, my mom dealt with that uh, growing up. My dad was my dad was traveling a lot. He was 
fairly well-known evangelist, and <clears throat> you know, you looked at that, the family and go like, wow, you know, they, they just live such a godly life. And but while my dad was out traveling, sometimes my mom wouldn't get out of bed in the morning to, I'd have, you know, as a little kid, get myself ready for school and walk to the bus. And you know, that, that's not a horror story, but it's just seeing, I, you know, I've seen this depression, and so, you know, being aware of what it is, uh, getting up, uh, having some some community, and then worshiping. Uh, and so for me, when I feel those waves of <clears throat> why you're so downcast all my soul. Um, I, I put my hope in God by worshiping and I spend some time just uh, singing songs, particularly songs that are uh, <clears throat> laments. So, so again, it goes back to our, our American Christian culture uh, having lost its ability to lament. And, and we think every Sunday should be a pep rally and every sermon should be a, you can do it. Uh, and yeah, rah, 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 cheer, cheerleader pastors that uh, – <clears throat> uh, but but you know the scripture's full of particularly psalms lament too and we've lost our ability to lament and we, and, and that has limited our tool of worship so when I say worship <clears throat> most of us listening probably thought you know I get in a good a good worship service and uh, shout to the Lord you know uh, but maybe maybe worship is uh, is more the why have you forsaken me? It, I know that doesn't sound like worship, but 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 Psalms is a worship book, and and, th and that is a form of, of worship too. The other day, I uh, somebody <clears throat> said, "Listen to this YouTube. It's old. It's been around for a while, but it's a, a band called Shane and Shane, uh, and the and the song is though you slay me, yet will I praise him." Oh man, that. I, I was just even thinking about it, fighting back tears like this, like. You know, and, and and again, there's theologians that will say like, "Oh, that was just Job when he was frustrated." It's like, well, yeah, it's true, but we're all frustrated, and so sing it, sing it. Though you slay me, yeah, I will praise you. There's a, a, a Christian counselor named Larry Crabb. Um, a couple of his books would be really good uh, that help us deal with uh, some of the emotional issues that we might be going through when we're facing depression. And um, and I, they have a scripture verse too. I wanted to to, to read to us. I think this one is uh, really really. Uh, it's a struggling one to, 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 to hear because it sounds like it sounds like it's like that kind of advice for like Job's friend would give you like when you're down sort of like uh, so, so it says uh, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long um, uh, the uh, I think the I can't remember how the King James puts it but a fleeting moment these momentary light afflictions I think is how the older translations put it these moment they're momentary and they're light but they don't feel like it, do they? they? Man, they feel like they're going, some, some of our battles are going on for years. Uh, but uh, the Corinthians suggest uh, this, just before that it says, this is why we never give up. Okay, that does make sense. We don't give up because, oh, okay, not because our afflictions are light and momentary, but be <clears throat> we, we, we don't give up because we know there's something coming, that there's, that there, that, that there's some that that's not the end of the story, and that's the the height that I was talking about earlier when you talk about how, how you look at depression, not just the depth of it, but how what your hope, your future looks like, your aspirations <clears throat> if they're missing, and so we don't give up the hope of a of a, a bright future, uh, though our bodies are dying and our spirits are being our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce. Oh, I love that phrase. Um, it's because we, we've, uh, I have many times forgotten in the midst of the storm, if I can cling to this idea like this is producing something in me, then there is meaning to my suffering. Meaningless suffering 
uh, will kill you. Uh, I think it was Viktor Frankl that talks about that when he was in a concentration camp. Uh, man's search for significance, for meaning, a man's search for meaning is, is this idea of when he was in the prison camps, those who lost any sense of meaning in their suffering, like this is purposeless, this is random, this is insignificant, and I am worthless, and this situation is worthless. They, they were the ones who tend to die first, uh, give up first, even commit suicide. Uh, those who, and that doesn't mean everybody who's committed suicide is that, again, sometimes it's, uh, it's um, chemical. And so, <clears throat> but uh, what he said, th those who had a sense of, this is producing something in me, uh, I, I'm going to be stronger for this, I'm going to, I'm going to come out of this with uh, maybe even just a, a greater knowledge of the, the, the awareness of the evil in the, in the world and, and, and my ability to be a small light in the midst of darkness. There's some little bit of meaning in that. And so that, that, that sense of meaning comes from, so, so this is producing something in us. A trouble-free life, maybe the reverse of this is if we have no afflictions or no trials, troubles, tribulations, then maybe it's not going to produce a whole lot. And First Peter says almost the exact same thing, that, that you know, uh, these, these, these trials and tribulations are producing. James uh, echoes the same sentiment. They are producing for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at our troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see, can, that cannot be seen. And so we're talking today a lot about things and I don't think we intentionally do this, but maybe we're, and the Holy Spirit is uh, highlighting certain things today that we don't talk a lot about a whole lot because, and maybe that's why we're depressed a whole lot or why we get stuck in because we're not thinking about these things that, that, we, that we will suffer and that we do need to examine our own hearts and we do need to, to look at these things and put them in the right category. These are, even though they sound, it sounds trite uh, to call somebody who just got the cancer diagnosis, somebody who's, uh, uh, a, a woman whose husband abuses her, uh, a, a, a child that's been kidnapped, uh, a girl that's been raped. To call these things light and momentary afflictions uh, seem like you're being very insensitive, but but you're comparing that here to a, a, a God picture, a God understanding. I have eternity uh, to to bless you to to encourage you to, to build your life up to and so these, these these are hard and they're painful and God understands the suffering and he's with us and he's it's the you know Jesus wept those, those two words are so powerful uh, but but he's also saying the compared to what I have for you you'll see one day that this is light and momentary and so some of the stuff we've lost this idea that this world is a broken world and that some arrows might hit us even though we have a shield and that um, the, this last one then is that there's an eternal weight of glory, that there's, there's something uh, beyond this present darkness, this present suffering that we're in. And so, so to be able to, to, to walk through this with, with life and, uh, and victory and an abundant life. Uh, I, I am redefining, uh, we talked about abundant life a couple times together here, Bob. Um, I, am, I am redefining the word abundant uh, because because my definition of abundant, I, I don't have it. So therefore, what Jesus promised me, I don't have. So I was wrongly defining abundant. I, I thought abundant meant uh, pain-free, problem-free, like, I won't get cancer, that's not abundant life. I won't have a car wreck, that's not abundant life. I won't have a son who's an addict, that's not abundant life. Well, I have to redefine abundant then, and so I see it through this lens, and it really blesses me a whole lot more is that, that, that 
abundance isn't circumstantial. It's something beyond that. That in the midst of in the midst of having cancer, in the midst of having a broken back, in the midst of having previously a son who's who's a prodigal, that there's an abundance of of presence of God, of contentment, of deep rooted of soul. Uh, a provision to my soul that the world doesn't have. And so, again, compare it to somebody who does know Jesus and doesn't know Jesus. And if it's all circumstantial, like you don't have a car wreck and you don't get cancer and you don't get uh, divorced and you don't, if it's all circumstantial, then there's no difference between an abundant life and uh, you know, a non-Christian who has an abundant life. Abundant life isn't having to do with Jesus. It has to do with certain circumstances. And so it can't be defined that way because Jesus wasn't just saying, uh, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and I'll make sure your circumstances are always just what you want it to be. Uh, what he's saying is, is uh, we, and he's saying this at a time where he's under Roman occupation. Uh, he's headed to the cross. He's going to be rejected by uh, you know, 12 of his closest friends. Uh, and, and yet he's able to say, I, I, I'm going to give you abundance. Life and so for him, he's defining it through his own lens of saying, "The Father's going to be with me. Uh, I know I have a future hope. I know there's a redeeming purpose. There's meaningfulness to my life." And so he's able to have that abundance. So, define, re- redefining abundance might help somebody who's depressed too, to, because the expectation is, Jesus promised me abundant life, and here I am laying in my bed, depressed out of my mind, and wanting to kill myself and hating life and just just this is too much to bear and we'll realize the, the the gift that the holy spirit has for you is 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 an abundance of his hope and presence and life and a future that that is that and so i think if we, we begin to we are such a culture of of a our, our mind is on this present age, this world, and that's all there is. Even if we believe in a heaven and believe in a future, we, we, we say, you know, it's become so present to today that we lose sight of this is, this is, we're in it for the long game. You know, we're just, we're, we're, you know, we're in the rougher part of. You know, as you, as you talk about this redefinition of abundance, to which I guess could be defined as uh, knowing God, yeah. I, I can't help but think of Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, anytime you're looking at suffering, you go to Job. But here, Job yeah, yeah. was a guy who he's described as upright. And then he goes through this affliction, has all these terrible things happen to him, and then he meets God. And God describes to him who he is and what he's, what he's been through and yeah. why he is so far above us, how he knows all. And we get to, what, chapter 42, 43, and Job said, I had heard of you, but now my eye sees you. It, it took, even though he was an upright man that, was, that knew God and worshiped God, he didn't really know God until that suffering had taken place. Mm-hmm. So that abundance for Job was, I got to meet you. I got to meet who you really are. Can't it be the same for all of us who go through suffering? And I know that's hard to say to somebody in the midst of it, yeah. but uh, it was there for his benefit, for his character, for his knowing who God really was. Yeah, I've seen the outcome. <clears throat> you see the outcome, and it's and it's yeah. You move. Well, I love that you move from just knowing about him to to, to now you actually Intimate see knowledge. him. You 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 become a friend of God through that through that pain. Yeah. So there's um there's a um. I think there's an important counterpoint to what we're talking about today, because these these two camps in Christian circles, one is the acceptance of life is hard. Is the stuff that I'm talking about today that you were talking, just the Job story you're talking about, the, the acceptance of the reality of of a fallen world we're in, and there's going to be suffering and pain, and you, you might get hit with some arrows. Then there's another camp that's like everything's rosy and good, and all you have to do is just you know uh, make sure you. Uh, you know, raise up your kids in the way that they should go, and they won't depart. So all your kids are going to be fine. You just claim it and you confess it and pray it. And if you pray every day for your kids, and and if you pray for your marriage, that you know, and there's the, like these almost like God's promises are wrapped up in this 
sort of um, do this and you'll get this outcome, input, output. Um, but there is something to be said about being careful uh, to not be on the extremes of either one, to get in this place of, I'm a Christian and life is hard and woe is me, and, but God's good, so I'll hang on to the end. You know, just, it's, it's like, you know. Um, Not much joy there, is there? No, no. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds so, pretty so, dreary. Yeah, so, so when I talk about a fallen world and, and suffering and the pain of this world, it's not to negate, uh, and some people do this to their own detriment, it's not to negate faith that like, yeah, we, we actually can in faith heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and, and cleanse the lepers. We, we can, in faith, uh, conquer kingdoms and destroy powers of the enemy. We, we, we can overcome. We can see the marriage restored. We can have the kid. And I've seen this. My cancer's gone. My back is healed. I'm stronger than ever. Um, my, the, my son has uh, been restored to Christ and has, uh, he's given us a grandson now. Just like, so, so I know both suffering, but I also know victory. Uh, now, there, there might come a time where there's, like I have a friend who uh, just recently lost their daughter to uh, an addiction, and um, so they're not going to have the, by faith we've brought our daughter back, they're not going to have that, they're going to, their story, I wouldn't say ends in suffering, but it, but it, it's going through that valley, <clears throat> but it doesn't, it doesn't negate by any means the other. So sometimes I'm reading a book, a Christian book, and I go, man, it's kind of depressing, it's just like, life is bad, but you get to know God. Well, that's good. I want that. But I don't think God, and I, and I wrote this in God's Favor, but God's Favor is God, ultimately, that's what he's after. Ultimately, ultimately, ultimately it's, it's him, to know him, to love him. Though you slay me, I love you. You're mine. I'm yours. Nothing, please let nothing ever separate that. That's what I want. But in the meantime, you still are a good father. And if my marriage is struggling, I, I, I want to have faith to believe that, you know, not just like, well, that's just God's using that bad marriage to teach me something. God's using the cancer to teach me. I want more than that. I want to be able to say, I, I don't think, I, I know God doesn't like cancer. I know God doesn't like bad marriage. I know that God says, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's saying, let your prayer, let your faith bring some things, uh, some resources from heaven to accomplish some things that would not be accomplished if you don't do that. God in his ultimate sovereignty may say, that's just not going to happen, even though you might claim it and pray in faith, but, but, but don't stop believe in God. Don't stop trusting Him for, uh, you know, as we say here at World Challenge, uh, to live a better life and to make a better world. Um, God God wants wants us to do He doesn't want us to just morbidly walk around saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here for 80 years to suffer and then I get to go to heaven. Uh, but at the same time, He doesn't want us to be like on the other extreme, like everything's supposed to be rosy and if it's not, then God, you have failed. You haven't given us your promises. And I think holding those two things in tension is kind of like what I call a, like a guitar string. If you wind it too tight in the sense of uh, too much promise, like the, everything's gonna be good, the, the string pops. But if you don't wind it tight enough, if you don't have enough sense of promise of God, then it doesn't make a sound. There's no, that, that noise, uh, that, that sweet sound of, of a life tuned by God is not present. Interesting. I know one thing that um, we brought up in the article and in our discussion earlier was the Father's blessing and sort of this idea of asking for asking for those who are um, in spiritual authority for blessing. Um, and I think so I read a book about the Holy Spirit and um, basically 
while I was reading through it, at that point in my life, I was like, I don't know that I really trust that the Holy Spirit can do much. And I don't know, you know, how much do demons really have to do in the world? All right, God, show me. Dangerous prayer, if there ever was one. (laughs) Um, And I started hearing things. I didn't see anything, but I could hear voices and music and all this stuff that, and I thought I was going mad. I thought I was losing my mind. things, not not like sweet melodies, but like unpleasant things from... Yes. So I ended up having um, my friends pray for me. I prayed, you know, God, what is going on? Make this go away. And at some point, I approached an elder at my parents' church and asked him to pray for me. And he laid hands on me and asked that I would be healed. And from that point on, it all went away. And so I was very interested when you brought up this idea of the Father's blessing and the importance of that when we're battling with these things that can seem very intangible. Wow, yeah. And so... Well, thanks for sharing your intimate story. That's that's really awesome because it kind of highlights what I just said. It's like you went through light momentarily affliction. You went through it, and it produced something in you. uh, you know, may, may, maybe more awareness of, of, of the powers of darkness, but also oh, yeah. it made you aware of the power of prayer, of of, of turning as uh, James uh, that God's promises are true. He said, you know, let the elders lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, and those who are who are uh, you know who are hurting. And so, uh, you know, it produced something good in you. So thanks for telling us. That. I think that's really cool. But uh, but for me, I, I had a probably around ten, and um, my. Father had been up in the mountains uh, praying, and he wanted to bring a blessing over all four of his kids. I have two two sisters and a younger brother, two older sisters. And so I remember he sat us down in on the floor. We were sitting there on the floor in a, kind of a little semicircle, and he was sitting over there in a chair. And he says, now I'm going to pray for each of you. And he got up and went from the oldest. Um, and then um, so my sister said, like, you know, you're going to be like this, and the missions is going to be part of your life, and you're going to care for the hurting. And then to my other sister, it's like, you're going to have this brilliant, uh, you know, gift and this ability to write and this. And then to my brother, he skipped over me. He's like, you're going to be a great evangelist. You're going to touch many lives and multitudes will be. And then he came back to me and put his hand on my hand and said, and you're going to make it through. And I went, wow, that. It's like it, it was weird. It was like uh, it, it kind of it wasn't a, I wasn't wounded by it at the time, but I wasn't either thrilled by it. You know, it was just kind of like this this kind of neutral feeling, like I'll make it through. And it wasn't until many many years later that uh, I told him about that experience. We were flying together on an airplane. I was sitting next to him, and I said, "Dad, you know, it's like I never told you this before, but when you did that, that that kind of left me feeling like I didn't really have, you know, as I read the scripture about these generational blessings that the fathers laid hands on their sons and daughters and blessed them, called." for something out of them that 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 brought uh, hope and faith they start believing themselves because someone else you know you, we believe in ourselves what we believe the person we believe in the most believes about us I know that's very complicated but uh, so so I believe about my, what I believe about myself is what I believe my father believes about me he, if he believes I can make it then I believe I can make it so so I, I expressed that to him it's like you know that kind of disappointed me a little bit and he was like oh he goes you you translated it totally different than than the way I meant it. It meant like that, that, that nothing could stop you. You're going to make it through every, you know, it's like others could, others will fall by the wayside, but you're going to make it through. You're, you're going to be victorious over the enemy. And it's like, oh, that would have been nice to elaborate a little bit more. And, uh, a little so, definition. Uh, so, so, but a little bit later on, he came, so he said, I want to, I want to pray for you again. And he and put his hands on me and, and he spoke this beautiful blessing and it, and it addressed much more in depth the uh, you know, uh, the things about my soul that he knew and understood and called forth. And, and it was just like, and those things have all come to pass. You know, there, there are certain things that 
that have done that. So I think the Father's blessing, particularly in an age where we're alone, uh, where where we don't have community and that's causing some isolation, that isolation is causing depression, sadness, fear. Uh, getting back in community and having, in community having fathers because your generation, I believe, uh, and I don't want to sort of overgeneralize this, but um, you, you know, you have to be careful that your your community is, is very peer related. I'm so glad you mentioned in your story it's an elder of your church um, because you know I, I know Rachel we've talked about this before how you look at in the Bible and the story of peers or brothers it's not a really a great story. I don't know if you ever tracked that Bob. It's it's like uh, the first brothers are Cain and Abel. Okay, that didn't go well. Um, um, and then and then then you've got you know Jacob and Esau. Uh, you've got the, the 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 eleven brothers that threw Joseph in the pit. Uh, you know, uh, just just story after story of brother in in scripture. You know, are, are really not that healthy. Uh, but what is healthy in scripture is the story of the father to the son. And I, I think there's something parabolic in that 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 God is trying to teach us is that we need brothers and you're going to have them but it's going to be rough and tumble and you're going to take a few hits and blows but there's going to be a father there for you and that father will speak a blessing <clears throat> a generational that will bring up the best for the next you know when the baton is passed to your generation you're going to have something substantial in that and so tying that back into the discussion we're having today about depression is there there could be that sense of of the of going to the elder uh, and and you know adding that when I talk about community uh, that's a strong part of it, not just peer-related community, but <clears throat> but but a, a voice, and that that could be a Christian counselor, uh, <clears throat> could be a Christian doctor or or a medical doctor who helps you through that. That's that's in a sense that's a, a voice of a father medically to help you through that. Um, your church, your pastor, your elders of of a church. That that uh, <clears throat> there's there's such wisdom there. One last thing comes to, m- to mind. We talked about this in the, in the room the other day, and I, and I think think it comes to bear here that that. Uh, you're under attack and you're depressed, so you feel like the area you're being attacked in is a weakness. And so you, you start feeling guilt and shame, like, oh, I'm really weak in this area because Satan's attacking me and he's calling me a loser. Uh, I must be such a loser. Or like this young man I was talking about in his marriage situation, <clears throat> he's one of the best fathers I've ever seen in my life, and yet his spouse constantly accuses him of being a lousy father. And it breaks his heart. That's what the tears were rolling down his face for, is because I'm not a bad father. Am I? No, you're a great father. And so, <clears throat> uh, the 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 thing I, I noticed, and it comes from a, a couple of decades ago. I had two dogs, and uh, one was a Rottweiler, big, big old strong Rottweiler, and the other was a bird dog, fast as lightning. And uh, they'd get in these scuffles together, and uh, I, I noticed it was the opposite when they would have these little rumble tumbles. It was opposite of what I thought. It, I thought the the, the Rottweiler would go for the, the the fast dog's neck and just pick him up, and then I thought the 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 fast dog would grab his legs, you know, the other dog. But it was the totally opposite. It was like the the fast dog went for the neck of the Rottweiler, and the Rottweiler kept going for the legs of the the bird dog, the fast dog. And I and I and, and the Holy Spirit spoke. So I know this sounds weird, like in the middle of watching dogs wrestle, <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit said, "Is the enemy always attacks your strengths, not your weaknesses." And so the, the, these two dogs just innately understood, if I can, this, this, this dog has such a powerful neck, and if he grabs hold of me, I'm a goner, so I gotta get to his neck so he's not gonna be able to do anything. And this other dog realized, this dog's too fast, I gotta, I gotta slow him down, so I'm gonna go for his legs, and he would attack his legs. If he got his hold of his legs, he could throw him down and then do what he wanted to do. And so I, I just saw that the enemy 
So if you're facing depression and you feel like it's because of this weakness or because of this sin or because you have failed in this way, a lot, a lot of depression comes out of a sense of failure. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. <clears throat> well, realize the enemy is attacking your strength. And so maybe you say, um, you know, I'm such a terrible husband. I'm so depressed. Well, maybe that's actually your strength. The enemy's attacking it. Uh, I'm, I'm such a horrible Christian. Well, maybe you're actually a really strong Christian. You just don't know it yet. You haven't come into the fullness. And so... Uh, I, I would say be, be very careful to label yourself as uh, to that self-talk of I'm a loser, I'm horrible, and, and, and reverse that and begin to say, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. And, and so the areas that you think you're weak in is actually, there's, there's strength there. And so to, to declare yourself strong in, in the sense of I'm going to overcome in these areas. And uh, yeah, I think that helps a little bit, just knowing that, that uh, you know, that, 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 uh, that I'm not I'm not going to be defeated in that area. He's, he's coming after my strength. And that, that could change the perspective a little bit. Yeah. Gary, we appreciate that. And uh, we, as we prayed before, you prayed for us before we began the podcast today, that uh, if there's someone out there that is struggling with this, that we might be able to uh, shed some light on it to help them in some way. And I would hope that if uh, you did find some uh, benefit of this, uh, look on our website uh, and on the show notes. There are some services and some resources that uh, Gary mentioned, books and Shane and Shane tape as well. You might like listening to. We'll put all that in our show notes. But uh, thank you for uh, for this uh, information that you shared with us and for uh, all of the information and uh, advice that you've given. It's a great help, I'm sure, to many. You've been listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. We hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you through all seasons of your walk with God. If you're struggling with depression or know someone who is, please reach out for prayer and counseling. You may also find David Wilkerson's book, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately, useful and encouraging. In it, he examines the inner wounds that afflict even the most secure Christians and provides methods to seek out God's healing. In addition to that book, Gary's latest book, God's Favor, is a source of great reassurance for those struggling to feel blessed. In his book, Gary explores how we are never abandoned as children of God. He is always close to those who call on his name. To see more on this discussion of God's grace and goodness in your life, you can order a copy of God's Favor on the World Challenge website, worldchallenge.org. Join us next week on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast as we find more ways to live an abundant Christian life. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Sound design for this episode by Mike Hall-Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington. We hope to see you next time in the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.